Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. And we have as our guest today, the Secretary of State of the state of North Carolina, who has uh, been in that office now for 25 years or thereabout, very close to it, uh, Elaine Marshall. And uh, uh, Elaine, it doesn't seem like uh, uh, you've been in that office that long, but 25 years has gone by very quickly. And uh, so we're we're glad to have you on. I don't know how many times during that 25-year period of time you've been with us on Carolina Newsmakers, but it's been a, a, a great number, and we always learn some very interesting things. Well, always, we've got always been enjoyable. Well, thank you very much. And we've got lots of things to talk about today. But one of the things that we want to talk about right off the bat is uh, the fact that generosity in North Carolina uh, has increased because, according to uh, your uh, press release, uh, the there's a high percentage of donations going to charities in North Carolina. It's a record high. Let's talk about that. Tell us about it. That's well, that's good that's, news. That's astonishing. Today, we actually released our annual report. The annual report covers from July 1 of a given year to June 30 of the next year. It matches the state's fiscal year. And in our last report that we just issued this morning, charitable giving was up 40% over the prior year. Now, let's be honest, the prior year was not very good uh, as far as the e economics are concerned, but a 40% uh, increase is very noteworthy. And the really, really important thing is that a record high, a, a one time never achieved before record high of almost 82% of the donations actually went to ongoing programs. We're thrilled about that. And the giving public should be thrilled about that. Well, it's, uh, it is big. And of course, you know, this comes on the hills of UNC Chapel Hills announcing the completion of their fundraising campaign, capital campaign of four years. They, they announced $5.1 billion. Uh, and that's that's huge, too. I'm not sure how that's reported in this data that you've got, because that's over a period of time. Well, but, and uh, school, school donations yeah, do not come into the that's exempt. Oh, it is. So school, it's huh? so generosity goes beyond even what you are reporting. Does this include churches? Churches are not in this either. They're exempt. Youth groups are exempt. So there's a large swath of the giving opportunities of good, good charities that are not included in this. This is by well, statute, which charities and which are exempt. So it's not my choice. It's the General Assembly's choice. Yeah. Well, that that's uh, terrific. And uh, uh, at, uh, well, uh, you announced this report at the Green Chair Project in Raleigh. Uh, and that's that's a very interesting charity. Uh, tell us a little bit about what they do. I, I happen to know that one a little bit, but uh, tell us what they do since you have just been out there. Green Chair is tremendously interesting. Uh, they are the only one in the state to the magnitude that they are operating. Uh, they take donations from the public, from corporate sources that are household items that are being surplused or gently used. And um, those that would fit with people, homeless people who now have a roof over their head, formerly homeless people, but who do not have cash on hand to buy the sofa, buy the knives and forks and plates, the tables to eat. Uh, you know, these are people that are perhaps refugees new to this country. 
They are people from disaster areas. Our most recent one in Florida where homes were wiped out and people relocated in other places with kind of just the clothes on their back. Uh, sometimes they are uh, victims of domestic violence who are now out from that situation and are living on their own. Uh, frequently, there are a lot of children involved. And one of the real special, special aspects of this is beds for children, because so many children coming into this situation don't and have never had their own bed by themselves. So this project, they can get a bed, they're allowed to pick out their bedding, if their favorite color is purple or pink, or if it's nautical or whatever, they get to pick bedding that they want. The, the people get to pick the items that they want for their household, because choice is a very, very important value to the, to the Green Front Project. People that have had tough luck in life frequently haven't had choices. And for once, they can make choices about what kind of plates they want to eat off of, what kind of table they want to have. Uh, and while the Green Front also gets donations that are probably not usable by these folks, let, let's say a silver tea service, that's not going to find usage. They then sell them themselves uh, either through an outlet uh, like Cherish, an online function, or they have shopping days around their shop. And uh, I have shopped there myself, and I would encourage people to go there. And uh, there are fancy items there that probably would not be appropriate for use in a family with small children. So um, it's a win-win-win. The corporate sponsors are very, very helpful. Um, so it, it's a wonderful project. It's located on Capitol Boulevard. And I would encourage the public to go there. A lot of people are downsizing. Uh, I have done it. I have taken things there, household equipment, silverware plates, you know, eating utensils when I say silverware, um, things like that that are very practical items that folks really need in their life. And uh, I think according to your quote, uh, uh, more than 11,000 families have rebuilt their lives since its founding in 2010, the Green Chair Project. Uh, there's also a company called Green Front, and th th that's a, a for-profit uh, uh, company, a good company, but uh, that's not the same uh, project we're that's, talking that's about different. here. This yes. is the Green Chair Project, and both of them happen to be on Capitol Boulevard, I think. But uh, anyway, 11,000 families. And uh, the thing I like about it so much is it builds self-respect. Uh, these does. are people who are trying to uh, reestablish themselves, and now all of a sudden they've got some self-respect. It's not just out-and-out uh, -out charity. All of their clients are referred to them also, so they've been vetted that they do have the jobs, that they're capable of uh, maintaining that job, you know, those kinds of things. So um, it's not like throwing away to every person that comes through the door. They've been vetted by a church group or another nonprofit to be eligible to get the furniture and household equipment. So uh, basically, in your office, uh, uh, gets reports from licensed fundraisers, and that does not include churches, as we said. It does not include colleges and universities. So uh, what else does it not include? Is there anything else, a large group of uh, well, very, very small organizations, organizations that don't pay their staff. Um, so those are exempted also. Yeah. Well, it's it's nice to see that, uh, and North Carolinians have always 
uh, been very generous. I mean, anytime the Red Cross needs money for disaster relief, uh, North Carolina North Carolina citizens have always been generous. And it goes across the board. All economic groups uh, are, are contribute. I know every time we have a, a fundraiser of any kind at any of our radio stations, we're always uh, interested in, in seeing what a wide economic group support those various and sundry efforts. So it is, uh, it's good. Uh, as uh, one person said, the best nation is donation. I like that line. That's the absolutely best nation right. Is yeah. Yeah. Now, let me, let me tell you that um, if there are rogue charities out there, folks misrepresenting who they are or out and out criminals, um, uh, we're the place for that to be reported at sosnc.gov. I have investigators that can check these things out. Um, we're told that when there are national disasters, the federal government has told us that a lot of the websites that get put up are uh, just fraudsters trying to play upon your heartstrings. Uh, my recommendation when there's things like the hurricane in, in Florida or an earthquake somewhere around the world to give to a locally connected organization that you know has the capacity to handle these things, such as the Red Cross, such as Methodist men, Baptist men, the Mennonite church builders, just Rotary International, Lions Club International, that have a worldwide concept and have capacity to help uh, those remote places. And so if anyone wants any information, again, that website is sosnc.gov. And if you have trouble remembering SOS, it stands for Secretary of State, nc.gov. Right. And we have a whole lengthy report up there of all of the organizations that registered and the fundraisers that registered with us that goes on for hundreds of pages. And you can research back for the last 20 years online. So please go to that site and look under charities and then go from there. Well, that's this is a good service because there are unfortunately people who will uh, take advantage of uh, the good naturedness of most people who want to give, and sometimes they misrepresent things. And, and, and uh, of course, that's the very purpose behind uh, having your organization check uh, and uh, get these reports and check them out. By the way, I guess you can also call your office, and I happen to have that telephone number in front of me, so I'm going to quote it, 1-888-830-4989. I guarantee you no one had a pencil and paper when I said that, so I'm going to give it again later on in just a moment. Any other further comments about the whole area of charitable giving while we finish out this segment? Well, it, it's real important to know that the holidays are here. This doesn't cover all charities. And even though this has been an outstanding report this year, there are still communities, people right here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and all of North Carolina, who do not have a regular roof over their head. They do not have a regular place to sleep. They, they do not have adequate food. And if there are children involved in that, the charity need continues to go on and on. And it's especially tough during the holiday season. It's not just the cold weather, but it's just that people are having other festivals and they're very happy. And it centers around food and giving and love. And there are a lot of folks out there that just don't have what you and I might consider ordinary holiday uh, celebrations. So uh, please, um, if you see the red kettle, if you uh, uh, 
get solicited at church a little bit extra, please know that there are folks out there still in need. This does not by any way cover the, the needs of the poor and the elderly and the youth in our community. And I would be very remiss, I mentioned the Red Cross that does great work, but another organization that is certainly statewide and does tremendous work is the Salvation Army, and you mentioned them with the with the Red, red uh, Kettles. kettles. Yeah. So there are just a lot of organizations. And by the way, the Green Share Project is uh, is based in Raleigh, but if people were interested in that and setting one up or something similar in other parts of the state, it is a great model for them to check. And I'm sure those folks would be glad to share how they organized because they started very small and they have grown uh, in, uh, in a very large way and are just doing excellent work. Yeah, they have a large uh, warehouse. They have they will go out and get big pieces of furniture if you send the pictures ahead of time. They're very organized. They're very prepared. They're very businesslike. It's run mostly by women, and uh, a lot of them are junior league uh, uh, leaders previously who are uh, doing this project. And they take volunteers to help sort out um, items that come in and classify them and get them where they need to be. So a good organization. Good organization. Our guest is Secretary of State Elaine Marshall, and we'll be back with another segment of Carolina Neesmakers right after these messages. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm gonna make it better. Uh, coming back, ask your doctor, check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back with Elaine Marshall, the North Carolina Secretary of State, and has been in that office since 1996. Uh, Elaine uh, has been with us a number of times. She earned her law degree from Campbell University in 1981 and uh, has uh, been in public service at, at, uh, in the Secretary of State's office since 1996. So many things go on in the uh, Secretary of State's office that are probably a little, fly a little under the, the radar, and that's the reason we like to have our own so that uh, the citizens of North Carolina who listen to this program can understand what uh, uh, interesting and uh, world, worthwhile areas that uh, the Secretary of State is charged with uh, looking into and governing. 
One is the North Carolina, one of the things I would like for you to talk a little bit about is the North Carolina Coalition for Global Competitiveness. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the North Carolina Coalition for Global Competitiveness is a group of volunteers, basically, uh, who are interested in North Carolina being the most globally competitive state uh, in the country. Uh, we are the beneficiaries of a tremendous number of uh, internationals, whether they've come here as students and now are leading some of our great research institutions, whether they are um, companies that are doing good around the world. Uh, in a lot of cases, they are investors from foreign countries who are interested in coming here to um, be closer to their market and set up some um, new, new companies. I mean, most recently, North Carolina landed VinFast, the electric vehicle company, uh, Toyota's doing the battery plant in Asheboro. And part of it has to do with making international visitors feel very welcome in North Carolina. Um, I lived in Brazil for a while, and I know what it's like to be a minority of absolutely one person. I was an exchange student in rural communities, rural families in the country of Brazil. So I have an empathy for that. Uh, we want uh, students today to have it used to be pen pals when I was in school. And so now it can be video connections. And so um, we are linked in with groups that train teachers and curriculum using international uh, emphasis for um, uh, their connection. And of course, my special love is the work that we do with the Republic of Moldova, where we currently have about 50 classrooms here paired with 50 classrooms there. And this is not a one-way street. Um, we get a lot of benefit from this. We have high school students that are able to speak other languages uh, conversationally with um, folks around the globe by these uh, paired up schools. So um, it's a very multifaceted project to make North Carolina the most globally competent state in the union. Well, the economic situation in, in this day and age is such that uh, it is a global economy. And if we are, not participating, we're going to miss out on a lot. And North Carolina has, I think, a very good track record of uh, uh, of addressing this area. And I'm glad your office is so involved in it. Uh, I know. So, what are some of the other things you're doing in the area of uh, creating a better business uh, environment in the state? Well, let me tell you, the entrepreneurships of North Carolina have been on fire. Uh, beginning with the pandemic, I thought things were just kind of going to kind of hum along, and I was so, so very long. In 2021, we had a record year where we had 178,000 uh, and change new business entities formed. Now, these are nonprofits, LLCs, limited liability companies, or uh, C Corporation. Uh, we are not quite at that same record pace for 2022. We're about 4% off of that. Uh, but it's so it, it certainly isn't dropping down dramatically. It's uh, incredible. For the last year, we were creating about 700 new business entities a business day. And now we're down to in the 650, 660 new business creations a day, um, which is what I call seatbelt territory. You need to have your seatbelt on to figure out what's going on. And I'm very pleased that the technology to allow us to do all this has worked. But I'm now into a new project. Uh, we know historically that about 
one fourth of these new entities die after three years and about one half are no longer here after seven years. And people started these for a reason. Uh, and I'm trying to make sure that our rural communities in particular, who frequently feel like they're left out from all the resources of the big cities, have and know that they have the exact same access to quality information to help them get off the ground. Our community college centers, business centers are absolutely lifesavers. Uh, we surveyed, we've surveyed now over 4,000 new business creators to find out why did they start and lost their job in the pandemic was not one of them. That was only about 9%. A lot of them said they saw a new opportunity. A lot of them said they wanted to try something different. Um, a lot of them were women we know nationally because having control over their lives during the pandemic was very difficult. They did not know if the kids were gonna be in school this day, this week, uh, very uncertain about how they could run their lives and earn a living and you know keep the lid on everything they had to keep a lid on. So a lot of them decided they were gonna work for themselves and work from home. And that, that worked for a great number of them. But we're just thrilled. We have now started with seven counties in a pilot project called Rural Rise. R-I-S-E standing for Resources for Innovators, Startups, and Entrepreneurs. And as a result of all this surveying we did about what would you like to have known? What were the obstacles that you encountered? How, where do you go to get your information? We found that they got, they said they got their information from us, which is, I guess, somewhat flattering. But at the same time, we are not providing the information that they all need to know before they actually start these business, like what kind of accounting system am I going to set up? You know, what do I need to know about human resources if I'm going to have employees? We talk about different types of structures and we don't really direct them anyway because we're not their lawyers. We're not their financial counselor to, to tell them what type is going to be advantageous for what they do. So we now have a checklist. We went from seven counties to now we're up to 25, 26 individual for these rural counties with names, telephone numbers, and emails that will be answered. The biggest frustration the public has is they can't get any information. Nobody picks up any telephone lines in Raleigh or places around. So we have given them local information there through the North Carolina Rural Center and their financial arm, Thread Capital. There recently is an infusion of over $200 million to be loaned out into rural areas of North Carolina. And we have listed uh, banks that are lending to small business people in this because getting financial capital is one of the hardest things that they face. We've even found a zero interest uh, lender for amounts under $10,000. So depending upon what folks want and where they are, we're trying to force feed information to them, make it available to them. I shouldn't say force feed, make it available to them. So all they have to do is click open and, and follow through. Our click rates are higher than average for this type of um, uh, uh, project. And our open rates is certainly over 50% in some counties, which we're thrilled about. We need to get the click rate even higher but we know that uh, Thread Capital and some of these lenders have told us that yes, people came because of the information that the Secretary of State's office put out there. So we're trying to have dialogues in communities about what they need, 
um, to get county commissioners and or town leaders to do a little bit of incentive investing so that it becomes beneficial for a, a lot of the entrepreneurs and upgrade their community. So I'm working as hard as I can to, I know I can't close the rural divide, but I'm trying to keep it from getting worse. I'm gonna try to bring it in. Well, it's so incredible that, to know 178,000 new business entities in a year. That's uh, that's a uh, mind-boggling number. Uh, very quickly, uh, Elaine, uh, of course, people in business sort of know these terms, LLCs and sub-S's and C-Corps and so forth. But very quickly, if you would, for people who are not in business, describe what an LLC or a sub-S corporation or a C-corporation is. Well, to us, they're one of three categories. You're either a nonprofit corporation or a corporation or an LLC when they come to us. Uh, an LLC right now is the most popular form. That means limited liability company. That is one that has less paperwork involved with uh, reporting your taxes because you don't really, it passes through to the members of the limited liability company. And it gives you that insurance, if you will, against liability expenses if something really goes bad wrong. Uh, a corporation provides that also, but a corporation is required to file its own tax return. And so a C Corp and an S Corp, those are things, different variations of the corporation that your tax attorney <coughs> or your lawyer will tell you is more advantageous for your type of enterprise. And, and members are basically the same thing as a stockholder. Members in an LLC are That's uh, sort right. of comparable to being a, right. a yes. shareholder right. or a stockholder in a corporation. But uh, the LLC uh, does give you uh, the uh, ability to limit your liability. Uh, and, uh, for example, personal assets would not be uh, um, something that would be at risk uh, as I understand, uh, most right. of the uh, LLCs right. are set up, right. and that and, has a lot of advantages. And unfortunately, the General Assembly doesn't allow us to ask or require anybody to answer any question about what their intent is. We do know that some of these LLCs are single-purpose entities. They are for holding a piece of property, and if a business person goes out and has another something they're going to do, they will create another LLC to hold that particular piece of property until they sell it. I, I tell folks, when you drive down the road and you see a new fast food something going up or a new chain, you know, auto store or something going up, you could possibly be looking at three LLCs, one that holds title to the land, one that actually operates the company, and then maybe one that's a maintenance contractor uh, of the, the operating company. So one single property that you're looking at really could have three LLCs. So I'm not trying to deceive anybody about it, uh, but we just don't know for sure uh, what all of these LLCs are for. They only have to tell us things like retail or you know, commercial. It, it, it doesn't have to be any more specific than that. Yeah. So if a person wants uh, information about how to provide that information to you that you do need and you do require, I guess uh, the best source is your website. Is that correct? SOSNC.gov, yes, and go to uh, business registration and then click on. The FAQs are very good uh, to tell you about the different type entities. They also go how to fill out an annual report, 
Uh, sometimes people fail to do their annual reports and then they have to do a makeup. And so it's how to reinstate. We have very good tutorials up there uh, in addition to the written out FAQs uh, about these, these various aspects. So that's uh, sosnc.gov for that information. Interesting. Right. And, well, and if all else yeah. fails, call us. We got customer service people who are um, able to answer the phone and hopefully give you an answer. And I'm going to give that telephone number again now and again at the later part of this program, just in case you don't have a piece of paper handy. It's 1 888-830-4989. Our guest is Secretary of State Elaine Marshall. We're going to talk about scams and business identity theft in the next segment, which is another area of uh, concern for the Secretary of State's office. And we'll do that when we return right after these messages. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Now once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is uh, Secretary of State Elaine Marshall, and we have already recognize the fact that she has been in that office since 1996. And uh, uh, we've talked about her background and her interest. What what got you interested in being in public service, Elaine? I guess I'd say 4-H. It goes back to that, a quality youth program where I learned parliamentary procedure, how to preside at a meeting, uh, how to um, conduct yourself in public, and also the service aspect of um, seeing a, identifying a problem and then finding a solution to that problem and working your way through it. So I would say 4-H, uh, certainly. And my parents were excellent examples of public service. My dad's a farmer. My mother's a farmer's wife, which is really an occupation where I came from. <laughs> but she taught music. But uh, dad was the fire company treasurer. And we had fundraising activities, which he was involved in. He was a member of the church board. My mother was the church organist. My mother did, um, for the fire company, we had public suppers, and I was already always volunteered to wait on tables, which was a lot of fun. 
but the community came together and they cooked a big meal and you know baked a bunch of pies and cakes for desserts and my mother was the gravy lady so she was always in the community a reliable person when there was a family in need or a community activity um, they were never exactly the big leaders but they always were the people supporting the big leaders and making the project happen so i had good examples at home hometown heroes there's so many of them and they do such good work and many 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 times it goes under the radar but uh, their work is just as important well we said we were going to talk about investment scams and business identity theft i know that you work uh, with the uh, FBI, you also work, I'm sure, with the SBI and others in identifying the latest scams. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of business identity theft in general. So let's talk about it and, and tell us, first of all, what are the latest investment scams that are going around? Well, cryptocurrency, as we all know, has fallen, at least one major uh, company has fallen to pieces. It was uh, uh, a very fast drop on their face. There have been lawsuits against some of these very high profile sports people and other personalities who have promoted this. Uh, cryptocurrency is not backed by anything uh, like a government. There's no guarantees on any of your deposits in there. And I'm sorry to say there are an awful lot of people who have been uh, scammed out of their money that uh, I don't know that they're ever going to get repaid or any. That's the problem with securities cases. Uh, we can put the bad guys in jail. We can put them out of business. But frequently, they live pretty high in order to look like they're reputable and prosperous in the community. And so that's their Ponzi schemes. They get new investors in to pay out the old investors and they spend whatever else on looking reputable. So it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. Uh, I spend a lot of time talking with seniors because they are the targets. Um, seniors have uh, money coming in, whether it's a pension plan, Social Security, what have you. And some people think, well, I don't have much. Um, I'm not going to be a target. Let me tell you, that is a wrong way of thinking, because if you have something steady coming in, somebody's going to try to get into it. The other problem or the other situation with elderly folks is they get lonely. And uh, these people, they maybe meet them in church because some of these groups like to work through churches, which is, again, doubly terrible. But, you know, they'll they'll call up these folks and start just chit-chatting them up about their kids and how their health's doing and how their kitty cat's doing. And they make friends with them. And then later the conversation goes into a financial aspect. And uh, then these people will have something that they've got to do, like right now, where it's a limited amount. It's one and only for you, all these kinds of things to make people think there's some urgency in it. So we're seeing crooks out there in the securities area, right and left. But right now, the, the money exchange, like foreign exchange traded funds and crypto is pretty much the hot button topic. But when you boil it down, they're, they're just take money in and, and keep it and waste it and don't pay any out. Well, I've got to tell you, I have never understood cryptocurrency. I just haven't understood the concept of it at all. It never made any sense to me. Uh, as you said, it's not backed by anything. And, and that, uh, uh, that's always something that uh, should raise a lot of flags right off the beginning. But I guess I it tell, didn't in many I, cases. I tell people exactly what you've just said. If you don't have a clear understanding about how this is going to make money and it makes sense to you, 
that it could be a success because there are none of these that are guarantees. If anybody says it's a guarantee, they're lying to you. If they say it's a guarantee, then your amount that you got in is going to go down. Um, you know, folks, please don't be bamboozled. Um, these um, these people have got answers for everything. You know, if it comes up, they need just your $10,000 to finish this multi-million dollar project. Come on. If they say that this is a big secret, you know, we found out about this investment and not many other people, and I'm going to let you in on it because you're a friend. That's all the kind of hogwash, if you will, that they uh, work on people. Uh, there are no investments that are secrets out there. Um, so please don't be taken astray and keep your money in your checking account or somewhere else. And interest rates are going up for investments um, right now. So well, it's, it's, you know, the, the interesting thing about these people who come up with these schemes, and some of them are truly absolute schemes, and I think some of them are just ideas that might have worked, but uh, turned out to be scams. Uh, there's a case, I guess, for both, but uh, it's interesting how smart these people are. I mean, right. if they go into a legitimate business, they probably make an awful lot of money. One of our big worries are people that have been legitimate stockbrokers and then they go rogue, uh, whether it's something in their marital life or their personal life or gambling or what have you that caused them to need money. Their brokerage house will not let them sell any each and everything that comes down the pike. They have certain types of investments that they've vetted that are reasonable. But there are these people when they go rogue, they they come up on investments that are not approved by their company. And the reason they're not approved is because they're highly, highly risky. So but they still try to sell them and they get high commissions off of them. And so, um, again, everybody needs to slow down and take, take a deep breath and think, how is this going to make money? Do I understand? And does it make sense to me? And they need to call us to find out if the person that's selling these are registered and if the product is registered. Uh, the answer to both of those has got to be yes, because otherwise then you're fixing to walk down a very dangerous pathway. So and you may have already done some of this, but uh, give us some examples of what uh, Jason has listed as business identity theft items. Well, that's where people come and form corporations. Uh, it, it would be possible, your Capital Broadcasting, Inc., I'm assuming, it would be possible to form Capital Broadcasting of Burgall, Inc., uh, Capital Broadcasting of, you know, Saxapa Hall. Uh, they would be trying well, actually, to... Actually, actually, you got Jim Goodman's outfit, <laughs> Capital Broadcasting oh. of WRL. Oh, excuse me, my big, you want to start over again? My big, terrible mistake. What, <laughs> tell me okay. what PTS corporate name is. Curtis Media Group. So, Jim, I, I, I mean, Don, I'm so, 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 so embarrassed and sorry. <laughs> no, you know, Jim and I are good friends and a very good. He's a very good competitor and a very good friend. And we laugh often because a lot of people get our companies mixed up and the stations that we operate. So it's kind of interesting. But well, go right ahead. Absolutely no better. But people will come <laughs> in, and my deep apologies, people will no, come no, in and do something that is similar to something that's reputable and they already know. Uh, we had a case where uh, a law enforcement officer and a woman got together and they were 
they dummied up stationery for the Motorola Charity Foundation. They had nothing to do with the Motorola Corporation. They made a corporation here, Motorola of Wendell or something like that. So they did have a corporation, but they went out and said their charity arm was doing all this work and they needed telephones from Verizon and different companies. And they, because they had this stationary and because they had a dummy letter on it, they got 10, 10 telephones from this company, 10 telephones from that company to use in their fundraising. Um, activities. And those telephones went to China or were sold on the black market. I'm not sure where they went, but both of those individuals are having plenty of time to contemplate the uh, uh, the ways of their past as they both are in jail for defrauding these companies out of equipment and money and, and what have you. Well, it, uh, you know, the old joke is uh, in business is anyone from out of town carrying a briefcase that has a business card is an expert. Right, right, not so, but anyway. <laughs> a, uh, because, you know, uh, people tend to think that anything is in print is legitimate. And so if they do have a letterhead and printed materials, people tend to think that the uh, whatever the venture is, is legitimate. And that's something that you always check. So. Your organization has a list of all these various and sort of uh, companies that are registered with you. And so the best thing to do is if you've got any doubt is check with your website. That would be correct. But these people actually uh, created these ones and we had to pull them down when we found out what they were up to. The way I got on one of them was there was a Hendrix uh, Motors of, I don't know, Tarboro or something like that. And the money that they paid to file their corporation bounced and we couldn't get them to, to make it good. And so they came to me and said, does this look real? And I said, I don't think so. I called Hendricks up in Charlotte and uh, the address that they had given us for the corporate address was a vacant lot somewhere in Tarboro. Uh, so we've eliminated some of this stuff with our new technology. When somebody puts in the company name that they want to be, it automatically checks the rest of our database to say if that name is available. Then when we have them put in a physical address, which is required, it automatically links to the post office, which gives us, I don't know, three seconds, four seconds, uh, very quick responses to say, this is a bad address. This is not an address. And so we won't let a person go forward to create on that particular address. So we've got different markers along the way that we can check to see uh, if something is um, bogus or not. Uh, of course, we love them when they give us, you know, bad credit cards or bad, bad checks because we never hear any more from them and we're able to dispose of them pretty quickly. Um, people with bad repeated conduct like that that are dancing around on our website in the early mornings trying to figure out something they might do. Uh, we have an algorithm where we don't let them do new things. And if they they danced around for a while and it shows a pattern, we tell them we're unable to um, um, service your activity. Please call us during normal business hours. And you know what? They never call. So we've got some tricks up our sleeves too. And of course, the complicating factor these days, and I say these days, it's been now 20, 25 years, and that's the internet because uh, right. it uh, gives people access to prospects and information that they've never had before, and that's uh, 
both good for those who are legitimate and bad for those who aren't uh, legitimate. That's correct. The internet has complicated a lot of our law enforcement. Yep, it's a, a, a very interesting situation. Well, again, uh, if you have doubt about any investment, an investment scheme or a business identity, uh, you can contact Elaine's office. Can I give you uh, another uh, telephone number? The main number yeah. is 919-814-5000. That unfortunately okay. gets you into a telephone tree, but it's pretty quick. So 919-814-5000, and we'll direct you to the right department. Well, that's a lot easier than the number I gave. So Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Our guest is Secretary of State Elaine Marshall. We've got one final segment coming up here on Carolina Newsmakers, and we want to take a look at uh, lobbying, ethics, laws, and uh, just sort of a general recap of the other activities that are happening in the Secretary of State's office. And we'll do that when we return right after these messages. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hey hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking you questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with our guest, Secretary of State Elaine Marshall. A reminder, if you're listening to a station that carries the half-hour version of this program, uh, you're missing two segments. And if you would like to hear those two segments, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear those two isolated segments, or uh, you can enjoy the entire broadcast or share it with a friend. Lots of people use that. Uh, you may call it a podcast if you'd like, and that's just fine. Our guest, as I said, is Elaine Marshall. She's the uh, North Carolina Secretary of State and has been in that office since 1996. And one of the things I really fully intended to start off the program with was a, a counterfeit operation you did around the THC-laced edibles. Tell us about that. This is interesting and fascinating. Yes, it is, and it's very, very scary. Um, in the latest Farm Bill, uh, there are certain TCH, that's the hallucinogenic effect of marijuana, a small amount is allowed to be sold in North Carolina. And it's mostly being sold at vape shops, convenience stores, the like, small pop-up shops. 
Um, what I'm talking about is not the uh, legality of the contents of the, the bags that I'm talking about. A lot of these bags have gummies in them. Um, and these bags that are being sold at these places are branded with Skittles, Cheetos, even Girl Scouts, Lifesavers. We found some Starbucks stuff. Now, these packages clearly have a marijuana leaf on the outside. They also say Delta 8, which I think is the standard that's available here in North Carolina. I'm not saying that they exceed that. What the crime is under my jurisdiction is the fact that they don't have the right to put Cheetos on the outside of the package, the right to put Skittles or Starbucks first or Oreo cookies. We had some of those. Um, um, that is the trademark infringement. They don't have permission to use those names. And so to use that to market their product, to make their gummy TCH picked rather than somebody else's, you know, that's the illegal thing. We pulled in almost a quarter of a million dollars um, um, in a one week um, bust. And this came about from a training that we had in late September. The federal government had alerted us to these very attractive packages that are attractive to children. You can't buy this product under the age of 21. So here we've got a product that is packaged to look like Skittles, something a kid coming home from school, looking for a snack, if it's laying out in the house or if it's in the pocket of the car, might just open the whole thing and consume it. So number one, it's an infringement on the trademark of that company. But worse than that, there is a four-year-old little boy who died in Virginia just this fall from consuming these products in this counterfeit packaging. And his mother's been charged with a type of negligent homicide of some sort. Excessive amounts of the gummies in there uh, are, are, can be fatal to children. So they're packing, it, it's, it's this illegal trademark, but it's also very attractively packaged that kids could just easily open it up and, and consume the insides. Uh, we had 23 search warrants, we had 30 consent warrants, and those agents that got trained in September, most of them were parents, went home and started walking around looking in these, they visit these vape shops and places periodically, and they saw these things. And they asked us for our help and other agencies to put together some raids. And we did that. It was the police departments of High Point, Roxborough, Belmont, Clayton, Gaston County, Jacksonville, Selma, Smithfield, Wake Forest. We had the Wake Sheriff's Office, uh, North Carolina ALE, the Asheville ABC Board, law enforcement folks, the Consumer Brand Association, Homeland Security, and Vondra International. And I'm not even sure who Vondra International is. But whenever we do these things, there's not enough law enforcement resources to go out there individually. We've got to work together and we figured that out a long time ago. And what we're interested in doing is keeping this product from coming into North Carolina. So we're interested in the people that sell. And so many of these people said, oh, I didn't know it could be packaged to look like Cheetos or packaged to look like M&Ms. You know, now they know we've given them a copy of the law and these different law enforcement units will be going back to the same places to see if they see the same product in the store or maybe even inquire if they have a same or similar product. In the event that they do, there will be arrest warrants. 
We also want to know where did these products come from so that we can go work further up the line for whatever um, uh, prosecutions that the companies may want to take against these uh, people that are doing the wrongful packaging. So uh, it's troubling on many fronts, um, the fact that they're so easily available and packaged as if they're marketed to kids bothers me a lot. And so we're trying to get a lot of information out there to the public about what to look for. And, you know, an adult can buy it, an adult can bring it in the home, but be very careful about how you store it. And um, I guess just hope and pray that the TCH amount is not in excess of what would be legal to sell in North Carolina, but we're worried about the packaging and kids uh, on, on this product, this campaign. So I suspect the eyes of uh, consumers might be helpful to you in finding the uh, people who are violating the law in this regard. You're absolutely right. Please call us up and let us know what you see or contact your local law enforcement because a lot of their folks have been through our trainings. We have over 175 officers right now on our task force which is the Secretary of State's office, some federal agencies, and a lot of local government agencies. We have individuals trained to know how to do these cases. We also train uh, prosecutors about how to handle them in court, and we've gotten it in the judge's judicial manual, manual uh, for the pattern jury instructions about um, counterfeit good violations. And it wouldn't be bad, uh, from what you're telling me, to do both, to uh, to identify this to local authorities, but also at the same time to uh, identify it to your office because uh, yeah, uh, yep, a, double, a double identity would be helpful. Right, yes. Well, that's, that's uh, people are always looking for interesting ways. Uh, trademarks, of course, are very important to people like Cheetos and uh, Skittles and these people, and they have worked hard to create a good image and they don't need their uh, product tarnished by someone who's taking advantage of it. That's that's a shame. Yep. Most of our well, uh, most of our businesses are based upon intellectual property, whether it's the software, whether it's the brand name, whether it's the technology you use in your business, Don, uh, uh, all of that is intellectual property and somebody created it and has the right to the ownership or the royalties off of it. And these people that are trying to um, copycat it uh, with inferior product, um, you know, that's just just wrong. And it tears away at the basics of the economy, really. Well, that's that's another subject away from the fraud aspect of this. But uh, if uh, a business is business owner is listening and you do have something that is uh, identified with your business that is trademarkable, it is wise to get it. And they do that through your office. They do at the state level. Now, the federal level is also available, but we can do it faster, cheaper, and, and at least hold your position till you get your federal mark, if that's what you choose to do. And so how would they get information on that? SOSNC.gov and hit trademarks. <laughs> now, uh, just out of interest, what, uh, you might want to tell what the difference is between a trademark and a copyright, because there is a, definitely a difference. Right. A copyright is generally a, a work like a book, a manuscript, a piece of music, uh, that kind of thing. A trademark can be a gimmicky name. It can be a cute cartoony, uh, 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 some image that represents your business that you don't want anybody else to be able to have the name written that way. 
uh, or that cartoon, you know, if you're a pizza parlor, the guy holding the pizza or whatever cupcake image that you want for yours. And you can you can you can trademark those. And then a patent is totally different. A patent is a process uh, to make that better mousetrap, in essence. Well, uh, patent law is so interesting because some things that you think can't be patented can't be in some. And I'm sure that's the same way with trademarks. And that's and, true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's very interesting what uh, separates one thing from another. Uh, well, that's that's uh, good information, and of course, uh, you're a good source for help in that regard. Well, we've got about uh, two minutes yet to go. Uh, is there anything else that's going on in your your organization that you would like to share with the public? Well, what I'd like to say is this is a time when a lot of families get together and they talk about things like charitable donations and what have you sitting around the family table. One of the topics I would hope that families might begin to talk about are advanced healthcare directives. Now, I know that sounds gruesome and sad to some people, but what to do uh, medically when you don't have a voice of your own. We are the depository and have forms for the advanced uh, medical directory. There's a healthcare power of attorney forum up online, uh, advanced instruction for mental health uh, treatment and the declaration for an anatomical gift or organ donor. Uh, all of those can be filled out and deposited with us. We have the instructions for filling them out. There is a small fee to deposit them for us. The General Assembly never appropriated any money uh, to run the program. So I think the deposit the registration fee is about $10 for each document. You can get it back. Um, I tell folks, you know, please don't make your family make a decision. Uh, folks say, um, you're going to be in the care of a doctor you've never heard of before uh, when these kind of life questions come up. You're not going to be your local doctor talking to everybody in the family they've known forever. And um, I've heard chaplains say at the hospital that the the emotional time of making the decision whether or not to continue life support or not is something that frequently, frequently destroys family that can never be brought back together. One folk, one person will say, mama didn't want to live like this, she told me, and the other one will say, I never heard that. And uh, so making your declaration for a natural death, the living will thing is probably the most significant of the different documents. And um, it does solve a lot of problems. It keeps families together. You can't say that your family knows you. All you have to do is think about some of the crazy Christmas gifts you've gotten in the past. Do they really know you? If they thought you enjoyed a Chia pet you know, thing. Uh, so it's a good time to talk about family issues and advanced healthcare directories. Again, SOSNC online, you can look at them. For one or two of them, it's a little bit more complicated um, than just signing your name, but the directions are up there and uh, we hope that people will look at that and think about having these directives to help your family in a time of crisis. Great, well, you've timed that time out absolutely perfect. You gave me the, enough time to thank Elaine Marshall, our Secretary of State for being with us and we'll look forward to having you back on again. And Likewise, we will look forward to being back with you again next week, same time, same station, with another guest that Jason Kong has produced for us. Next week, have a nice week, everybody. Thank you. 
Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.